the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI. Hope you're having a glorious Thursday because I certainly am very, very excited for the show today. Thank you to Stephen for the last three hours of radio. We've got a couple of hours coming at you now. Much longer show than usual we're anticipating today because on the show today is a man who is no stranger to this studio. In fact, he's been largely responsible for the music coming out of this station for 11 years. He has long been working at FBI Radio as a music director and in the past couple of years as general manager. Dan Zilba, or affectionately known around here as Zilbs, is making a final appearance on 94.5 on the FM band. But he has left a legacy. FBI Click, the new digital dance station, is officially alive. And now Dan's just going to slowly melt away. But before he does, he's leaving us with, with so much music for the show today. What kind of stuff you bought, have you brought in? Hey, Ash. Um, I, I've got a little bit... Um I guess from my formative years around high school where music really started to take over um, my life and um, a little bit uh, from my time in the UK. Um, I lived in Manchester and London um, across those places for a few years. Uh, And then, of course, the FBI years, which is now stacking up to towards 11. um, And then, you know, a little bit of dedication to, to my loved ones. Being in a human iTunes, how has the culling process been for the show today? I wasn't sure if I would survive and make it. Um, <laughs> yesterday, I sent uh, Zasha, your producer, an email saying, here are the songs that I'd like to play. And he said, uh, that's about a four-hour show. Start culling. <laughs> so um, I've been cutting it back. And to be honest, I've tried to stick with songs that um, I have in my memory, ones that come off the top of my head. I haven't been going through um, vast libraries. I haven't gone to my grandparents' place and unlocked the garage to go through what is probably 75% of my music collection that's just been stashed away for years and years. Um, I've just I've just thought about songs that you know might have stories, songs that I've loved or um, songs that I've liked but were significant um, for one reason or another. Fantastic. And our first track today is Noise Addict. Can you tell us a bit about the background of this before we play it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think when you're talking about significance in my life, I mean, um, there's no bigger influence on me musically and otherwise than um, than Ben Lee. Um, we went to high school together. I had gone through a few years of high school doing absolutely nothing, changed schools, uh, ended up at school with Ben, had never heard of him. He'd been making music for a couple of years um, and he was just a massive influence. He introduced me to bands that would go on to become my absolute favourites, albums and songs that I still um, absolutely revere today. Um, and he kind of took me along for the ride as well. He saw, he, he, I think he, he could tell I was really into what he was doing and uh, in some ways I guess he kind of took me under his wing and um, supported my, my love of this music that we were discovering together um, but also writers and books and um, movies and you know just it's where I I, I'd always been interested in pop culture Um, I was a big comic book fan and um, and uh, I had grown up listening to pop music in the truest sense top 40 stuff Um, when I was eight nine and ten years old I'd only ever asked for cassettes for my birthday of uh, top 40 collections Um, and I I remember you know my first cassettes um, Michael Jackson's Bad and Elton John and Sinead O'Connor and um, for the love of God Bross and and um, (laughs) 
such a cool guy. Yeah, and Tiffany. Man, I listened to that Tiffany record over and over again as an angsty young 12-year-old. To think that this is the formative, the formative moments of FBI radio in your <laughs> mind, in your ears. <laughs> no, I think it's the antithesis of FBI, but I think a lot of us go through it. And then from there, from the pop stuff, I, I transitioned into, you know, the um, I was the rebellious young sort of 13-year-old teenager. And that was more, I started listening to gangster rap and, um, you know, Ice Cube. I must have had every album. And then from there, it was like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Um, and then Ice-T, um, his gangster rap stuff, but also the Body Count, the crossover rap metal album, which, you know, to this day, I mean, they're horrible, but they were important for me. Um, I think they really introduced me to noisy guitars, and that was really important because from there I went into Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and the grunge sound. And that was about the point that I met Ben, and he was right in the grunge scene. He um, had put out a, an EP through Thurston Moore's um, Ecstatic Peace label. Um, and so he knew Thurston Moore and, you know, um, Pav from Modular, who was running a label called Fellaheen at the time and had signed in to put out some stuff. And this is the very genesis of Noise Addict and Ben's career. And, you know, um, it was a little bit more punk, a little bit more indie rock. Um, and it was, a, it was just a massive influence on me. It's, I, all of a sudden, I found myself surrounded by um, the sounds and the music and the musicians that um, would go on to, you know, really help me form my career. Fantastic. And a song from that time, Noise Addict, I Wish I Was Him on FBI 94.5. My guest today, Dan Zilber. Stupid when I say it out loud Like I'm just jealous of his silver cloud He looks real good, he drinks diet coke He gets his enemies sent by air, not boat I wish I was him, he gets the women at his feet With all his cool friends, he gets his records for free I wish I was him, he has no enemies I wish I was him Six different flannel shirts, air walks, not thongs. He even understands the words to pavement songs. He's got his new guitar toys. He loves Smudge and the Beastie Boys. I wish I was him. He gets the girls at his feet. With all his cool friends, he gets his records for free. I wish I was him. He has no enemies. I wish I was him. And a masculine shout I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be mean But he plays guitar much faster than me I wish I was him He gets the girls at his feet With all his cool friends He gets his records for free I wish I was him He has no enemies I wish I was him I wish I was him He gets the girls at his feet I wish I was him On FBI.
FBI 94.5, another track brought in by my guest today, Dan Zilber of FBI Radio fame. From from day one when we were broadcasting, he's been here, and that was a track called The Outdoor Type by Smudge. What relevance does that have to your life? Well, we were talking about, um, I was talking about Ben Lee and, and his influence um, in terms of introducing me to you know music that I would go on to love and art generally. Um, he introduced me to music. He also introduced me directly to musicians, which I think was pretty lucky at the time. I was meeting, you know, the people that were my inspiration in terms of getting into music. So um, that band is one of them, Smudge. Um, they're still one of my favourite ever Sydney bands, um, completely underrated, but, you know, exactly just perfect the way they are, that band, and I've always felt like that about them. Um, that was a song that was made famous, I guess, um, or brought to a broader audience by Evan Dando and the Lemonheads, um, someone that Ben's had a, a long-term kind of friendship and working relationship with. Um, and as I say, like Ben introduced me not just to the music but to the people, and um, I went on a little tour with him at about... Um, uh, I don't know, we were maybe 
I was about 18 maybe, um, living in Manchester at the time. But um, I jumped on the tour bus and it was Evan Dando, Ben Lee and Ben Queller. Um, and I went through, you know, London and Manchester and Glasgow. And it was on that Glasgow, the final show where um, a, uh, a, an acoustic guitar in a rack on the tour bus um, slipped out, fell down, hit me on the head and cracked open right between my eyebrows. Um, a perfect little um, trail of blood dripping down my face and it felt very rock and roll being on tour um but um cool. yeah that that song and that band and, and also the Lemonheads more broadly I mean that all comes Fantastic. from ben. and Ben Lee also he not only introduced you to all these musicians but he introduced you to FBI radio how'd that happen yeah he did um I've got a photo on my office wall which has been there since I've had the office like every single day and it's a photo of Ben as a 16 year old like probably about 16 with um Richie from Tumbleweed um long-standing Sydney rock band um, standing at the door of FBI when it was an aspirant before it was a full-time um, before it was a full-time station and Ben also took me to an early FBI fundraiser which was up until we did our 10th birthday last year it was probably the biggest gig FBI's ever done it was at the Horden uh, it was like Silverchair and UMI um, Tumbleweed uh, all the big bands yeah, big indie huge. rock bands in Sydney at the time and Ben played like a smaller outdoor tent with the Hummingbirds and all these great 90s bands and um, you know we, we were probably two of the only underage kids there and um, he took took me along and that was my introduction to FBI and what a you know what a great atmosphere I could tell like I was even though I was 16 or something I was among my people listening to the music that I knew I would end up you know working with one day and I, I can't it's amazing how it's come full circle yeah and how many years are between that moment where you first went to that fundraiser and when you actually started working here I was a lifetime I mean uh, that fundraiser was maybe 95 96 I, I can never remember but um I think it was about 95 and FBI launched August 2003 so you know it's a, it's up to eight years um so I um I lived a, a sort of half a lifetime in between um and and never thought I'd I'd end up you know being involved with the station in the way that I have been but um yeah lucky for it and in those intervening years you were in in London I was. And in Manchester. I was. Um, girlfriend at the time uh, from London studying in Manchester. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, it was a really informative time, right. definitely. Excellent. Um, and we have another track here. And why why Beastie Boys? Um, well, I think we should, like, we'll come back to Manchester and London, but... Um, uh, Beastie Boys were another band that I was introduced to by Ben. He was signed to Grand Royal, their record label, um, out of the States. Um, and they were another band that he introduced me to physically. You know, some of, as I said, some of my favourites, like John Spencer Blues Explosion. Um, I spent an entire night with Eddie Vedder, courtesy of Ben. Um, he just turned up one day. We were at Ben's apartment, about 18 years old, uh, in Work Pav from now Modular Records. And he had with him Eddie Vedder and Eddie's brothers. Um, Eddie promptly sat at the seat opposite me at this little table for me and my friend Nikki um, with Eddie and um, uh, Eddie basically smoked our cigarettes until 5am. Um, <laughs> we didn't move all night. We just talked and it was one of the greatest things to ever happen to me. He smoked our cigarettes until he had to go to catch a flight to Tahiti or something where he was meeting his wife and going surfing. But um, the Beastie Boys were another massive influence. They got me um, further into indie music and into hip hop um, and I saw them a couple times and, and met them through Ben and, and they're just another you know massive band in, in in my history. And a FBI 94.5. Sure shot. Don't 
Yes, indeed, it's fun time. Fun time. FBI.
Fantastic stuff brought in by my guest today, Dan Zilba, Freeland. We want your soul. Pretty hefty stuff. And it's from a time in Dan Zilba's life when he went to Manchester and had nothing to do. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I went over to Manchester. I was supposed to be studying um, was the idea. Um, and I went to my first class and I said, hey, I'm the new kid from Australia. And they said, great, you're here for a year, right? We got you for, for a full year. And I was like, no, just, just a semester. And they said, well, this is a year-long course. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Well, I'm not that worried about what course I do. I'll just do something else. And they said, no, no, all the courses within this this subject, all the subjects within this course are year long. So I was either going to do a year's worth of work in six months, which really does not work for my personality type, or defer and just kind of hang out in Manchester, um, which I did. And I didn't have much to do. So I spent all of my time at record stores, secondhand CD stores, um, going to clubs for pretty much the first time in my life, discovering electronic music. And um, Manchester was a great place to do it. It's got such a legacy and history in electronic music. Um, from through the decades and it was a really good breeding ground proving ground for me and what took you to manchester in the first place was it just purely for study uh no it was a girl um <laughs> i uh I, I was i was dating a girl um called charlie and she was from london studying in manchester and we actually went back and forth between sydney london and manchester for about five years um but uh yeah what was, what was different about the manchester scene to the sydney kind of scene that you you'd left well, I mean, I was different. I, I think it's just, you know, Manchester's had a really established electronic music scene. I, I discovered um, Aphex Twin and Square Pusher, the Warp label in general, which is still a, one of my favourite labels and a massive influence, the Ninja Tune label, um, Nightmares on Wax, um, Orbital, a legendary kind of dance um, group that sort of preceded the Chemical Brothers and Basement Jacks and all the other big dance groups. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I went over, I guess, for a girl, but found music and... Um, and, and it was really, you know, it, it, it was really satisfying. And um, uh, when I ended up coming back to Sydney, I brought back all that knowledge and all that love of electronic music. And it was all going on here as well. There was a really good break scene um, in Sydney. Uh, there were gigs and festivals and um, artists producing and DJing. Um, and uh, so I went from sort of downbeat and got more and more into the glitchier stuff and then got more and more into the dancier stuff. And before I knew it, um, I come back from Manchester and it was all happening in Sydney and moved back to London um, and spent a couple of years there. Um, and that Freeland track, I mean, it's definitely not my favourite track by a long stretch, and uh, but it was significant because Adam Freeland was one of the sort of three guys that really kicked off breaks in, in the UK, along with Rennie Pilgrim and Tayo, and those three guys were really influential for me. Adam Freeland as a producer and DJ. Tayo did a Radio 1 show, which I would stay up every Friday night. It was on at 2am. I'd stay up till 2am. I'd hit record at 2am to record the first hour, which was Tayo doing his mix. Then I'd set an alarm, go to, go to bed, wake up at 3am, put another, um, it was a mini disc Oh my god! Anyway, <laughs> put another mini disc on to record. Mini um, discs for the for the younger <laughs> people out there are small CDs. <laughs> oh god! I guess they're kind of small CDs. They're a format that didn't last very long, but yeah. they were great for me because I was just recording stuff, recording live shows, recording radio shows, and every week I would do this and record these mixes. And you know, breaks was kind of all happening at the time. Um, and I ended up bringing it home with me um, when I eventually came back to Sydney. And what did bring you back to Sydney? Um, well, my, my visa in London had run out. I'd been there over two years. I'd overstayed my visa. It was time to come home. But I, I also had a real desire to come back to Sydney. Um, the more I worked 
sort of in and around music, um, the more I realised Sydney was where I wanted to make my contribution. I wanted to work with Sydney artists, Australian artists. Um, I'd met a guy, another guy called Ben, when I, w- I worked at Virgin um, uh, Records in, in London for a while, buying in their obscure vinyl and the, the, the sort of left of centre CD stuff and selling things as well. And he would burn me every single week. He'd go out and buy white label vinyls, like really hard to find stuff, pre-release. He was so on it and he was obsessed with breaks and I was really into it too. And he would burn it from vinyl onto CD, at least two CDs a week, just to keep me fed, just to, just so we could, you know, have discussion about this this music. He'd make sure that I had it all. And by the time I'd worked there for a year, I had 1,200-odd songs, every, you know, great breaks tune to be released. Um, and so when I came back to Sydney, I wanted to work with this sort of music, and um, I ended up starting a little a little business called Sniper Music, um, and I collected about a dozen of my favourite labels out of London, um, begged them to give me vinyl copies, I stuffed them in my suitcase, brought them all back, <clears throat> and then started meeting all of the Sydney guys, all the, the radio, um, the club DJs, the radio DJs, um, the people that were writing street press, and, you know, it was how I met some of the people who would eventually end up doing shows on FBI. I used to give vinyl to Kid Kenobi, who was the number one DJ in the country, at the time and Lorna Clarkson who had gone to do um, radio here at FBI and um, I was just basically getting paid to cover the cost of postage yeah, of, of the and vinyl and sounds like you were kind of an ad hoc publicist it, that's pretty much what it was it was I was looking after some labels and music that I liked um, and just so I had the opportunity to work with them and I was giving it to DJs and organizations that I liked just so I had the opportunity to meet with them and it was really just about getting into the Sydney music scene, I wanted a job. Um, and so that was kind of how I broke in up until the point where FBI advertised in the back of Street Press and said, we're looking for a music director. I was like, oh my God, that's like the perfect job ever. How do I get this job? More on that after this next song. And which one were we taking? We, we don't have a CD queued. So oh, well, we should put we, something in. Freeland was the last song, We Want Your Soul. Was it something off this as well? No, um, I th- let's play um, let's play an FBI song like something. So you know, come back from um, from London. Um, I'd I'd gotten the FBI job. Um, I remember dancing around in circles. Um, I went to a Lemonheads gig. It's not the first time I've mentioned Lemonheads today. Um, told a bunch of friends, including um, my future wife, that I'd gotten this job and um, was just celebrating. Um, we launched FBI. It was the absolute time of my life, um, and. Um, it was, uh, I could tell it was going to be important. And sadly, you know, a, a year, year and a half into it, um, the station, not for the first time, kind of ran out of money. And um, Christina, the managing director at the time, said, we can't afford a music director. We can't, we literally can't afford the salary and um, we're probably going to have to, um, you know, let you go. And um, I was devastated. I knew that not only was this like the job that I wanted and needed, but that there was something important going on. FBI was going to make some sort of really significant um, difference to the city. So, you know, I talked to her and we worked out a way that she could pay me one day a week to hang about. And um, they owed me three or four weeks of holiday. And I said, well, just don't pay me that holiday. I'll work those days again. And um, Mr. Stuart Coop uh, from Laughing Outlaw Records sort of, uh, he swooped in, Coop swoop, and um, he um, he gave me a job a few days a week just to keep me alive, keep me fed, keep me buoyant. And um, I got to work on, you know, his excellent label. Um, he's a guy I have a huge amount of respect for. And um, this next one is, is one of those albums that um, uh, I... I 
I sort of helped him with, I suppose. Um, it's by a duo, a Sydney duo called Wallspace that, you know, I was playing on FBI as a demo. I'm pretty sure Stuart heard it on FBI and ended up, I ended up signing them and I got to work on the record. So they're sadly no more brother-sister duo from Sydney. It's one of those releases that, and there's millions of them over the last 11 years, they kind of end up in, you know, the pop dustbin of history, but they're still significant and they're still, you know, they're really well-written songs. And, um, yeah, this one's kind of stuck with me as uh, one of those bands that um, really had a, a great trajectory and, and then kind of petered out as so many do but um, I, I was thinking about it the other day so I thought give it a spin wall space how's your love life Mouse water on a fork and knife, and the allure is right. No 
shall pass. A station that started officially broadcasting in August 2003 and in the studio with me today is someone who has been with the station since those early days and he's been choosing the tunes and keeping it afloat. Dan Zilba is the departing general manager of the station that you're listening to now. And uh, have you found that your identity over years has, has become just FBI? Yeah, basically. I mean, I remember talking to... Um... I think it was like the first promo producer, the guy who kind of cuts up all the ads and the introductions to the shows and stuff um, and saying that, and you're saying to him, like, I I don't ever want the job to define me. I could tell when when I started the job, you know, all of a sudden I went from being a young kid who was really passionate about music um, to being 
completely in demand. I mean, I had an inbox that was blowing up every day. Everyone wanted to meet and put CDs in my hands, and it was like instant kind of minor, minor celebrity. Um, and it was a bit to it was a bit to deal with. It was kind of a bit to cope with. And um, I think that was probably why, for not just them, but right through to now, ten and a half years, I've always, you know, there are artists that I love as artists, and there are artists that I I'm really fond of as people, and I've I've really I've grown really attach them really you know really fond of them but i've always you know we've always sort of been at arm's length and i think that's a pretty typical media artist relationship um but i always you know it was important to me to operate with integrity not to do favors and um but yes i totally feel like i'm dan from fbi and that's come to you know symbolize who i am i mean recently um you know i've had a kid um shouts to jonah who will hopefully listen back to this when he's old enough but you know he's um one now and um you know so priorities change a little bit and i now i'm, I'm not only dan from fbi now and i think that was sort of part of the transition and in the beginning, you didn't really succeed at as becoming Dan from <laughs> FBI. There was a bit of a roadblock along the way. You tried to launch a, a demo of a show at the station to become a presenter. What was that? What was that show called? So it was called Sniper Breaks, and it was it was based on Sniper Music, the little freelance publicity thing that I was talking about earlier. Um, and I never thought I would be lucky enough to actually get a job at FBI and be paid for it. I thought the best I could hope for would be maybe to be a volunteer if they'd let me in. And so I applied for a show. I was in a big room with all the original FBI crew, you know, um, Levens, who you had on air here last week. Um, and then, you know, the four guys who I can think of off the top of my head that um, have been here since day one, um, the amazing Stephen Ferris, who led into this show, um, Peter Hollow from Utility Fog, Shantan Wantan Ichiban from Stolen Records, and the completely unique jack shit from jack off with jack shit so i remember those guys and so many more um in this in the the training it was trained megan loader the original program director of fbi was training everyone up and i put in this demo uh, as an application sniper breaks which i'd done on cassette pressing play and record recording a crappy terrible mic break then pressing play and record and putting a little song <laughs> in it and then back announcing it and it's still floating around fbi someone here has it in a drawer somewhere and it, it was atrocious i wish we got a copy of that so we could play a little bit on air i'm so glad that you did and if you pull it out now i might run away like it was so bad i mean having spent some time in radio now when i listen back to it and i've only listened been able to listen to it for about 10 seconds twice in the last 10 years um but i recognize how bad it is and yeah. they were they were right in not letting me on air but it's interesting that you aren't actually you know you're quite a shy guy and going into radio is pretty it's pretty distressing for a shy person to try and launch himself at radio so you you as a shy person you don't really like doing interviews so much you don't like conducting interviews how have you gotten around that in so many years presenting mm. on the station well i think in terms of doing on-air interviews i've done very few like maybe three or four um my show friday lunch would always lead into a mix uh, excuse me come off the back of a mix so i'd have a quick chat to the dj about what they were up to but in terms of interviews i've done almost, so few i interviewed lunice um on his um first tour of uh sydney um and um kings of leon i think was like their first tour of australia they came on and guest programmed for an hour and you know they were lovely and um uh, it was pretty cool to get them in even at that stage they were quite a sizable band but yeah i've definitely i think radio was about um 
as in the limelight as I was willing to be. Um, when I was 16, my mum threw me a surprise birthday party. Um, I walked in the door, saw all my friends there, screamed, slammed the door and ran away and refused <laughs> to come back. And, you know, that's just Aww. my personality. I'm, I'm just not into the limelight. I'm not into the attention, which is, I think, why FBI was such a great place. I could put all my energy and all my efforts into into the station, into making it look good, into making it sound good, into doing events that people would enjoy. It was it was never about me. It was about the listeners um, and, and about the, the community that we're building at FBI. Fantastic. And we've got a track to take here, and I think it's Sarah Blasco. Which track number was it? Um, so this one is um, track three from a... So the next couple of tracks are compilations that I've put together, and these two I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, I was looking, I was listening through them yesterday, and I was like, oh, man, I can't believe I did this. Like... You know these track lists still today. These are great songs, and you know it's not it's not arrogance on my part. All I did was kind of put some stuff together. These artists were the ones that made it great. And the first one is from the live feed compilation, which was part of the Save FBI campaign. Um, so in 2009, um, for maybe the second time, FBI ran out of money, and we had these legacy debts that um, you know we borrowed close to a million dollars when we started in 2003 we were paying interest on that and we were just struggling to keep up with it the the, the global financial crisis had hit everyone it had a bit down on FBI um, Evan Caldor was in the driver's seat of the station he identified that you know this was coming up we we're going to have to face it something had to be done and so we did we we did Ask Richard which where, where we asked um, Richard Branson for a million dollars which you know was a great publicity stump for us and got a lot of attention it was fantastic where'd that idea come from? Um, it actually came from I think it was Naked the um, the advertising agency who were doing some pro bono work for us at the time. Um, perhaps it was Glenn Cassidy, who um, was working there at the time and has um, kept in touch with FBI all these years. He runs Cake Wines now. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it was his idea just because we realised, you know, people know FBI, but we need to go beyond the people that do. This was really serious and we needed a lot of money as well. So I was involved in putting on some 21 or 23 gigs. We put on three at the Metro. We sold out heaps of them. I mean, we had, you know, a significant portion of Sydney coming out. Um, the bands all played for free, dozens and dozens of bands. And one of the other things that I did was put together this live feed um, compilation. Warner were very gracious about putting it out for us and helping us make it happen, um, and they were really supportive. And it's basically recordings that we've been that we had done on the live feed, which was we still do every Sunday, two p.m. Uh, live recording from somewhere here in Sydney. Um, and you know the track list from you know Bill Callahan to the Mess Hall, Metronomy to Daedalus. Um, my Disco to Brian Jonestown Massacre. Um, Can I rip that after you're done yeah, with it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, <laughs> hey, you should buy it. It's uh, all proceeds to FBI. Um, Adam Green <laughs> and uh, Cloud Control. Um, the the one the, the tr- very last track on here is Beach House track. You came to me, which is from their first recording. Excuse me, their first gig when they the first time they played in Sydney. They played the Hopeton Hotel in 2008, and we've got a recording of that on here. Um, but Sarah Blasco is just someone that. Um, I feel like, you know, I've supported a lot over the years who I'm a big fan of. She's always been very supportive of us as well. Um, and she's just one of Sydney and Australia's greats. And I, I just thought we'd have a listen to um, We Won't Run, a live recording uh, from the live feed CD. On FBI 94.5.
Out of the box. Meet people through their music. On FBI.
Brought in by my guest today on FBN 94.5, Dan Zilber. Why that track? Um, well, that one, so we had Sarah Blasco, the um, live recording from the live feed compilation, which we put out in 2009. And um, that one that we had to listen to there was Dappled Cities. Um, and it was uh, a remix by Loving Hand from DFA, um, Tim Sweeney. And uh, there was a couple of reasons for that. It was on a comp- another compilation that I was really proud to have put together called It's the Beat, um, which was a compilation of sort of indie dance, electro, party pop. And we had the first discs first disc was unmixed and the second disc was mixed by the Bag Raiders who you know we were really loving at the time they had their sort of debut singles out Fun Punch and um, I think we were playing Bag Raiders as demos back before they were assigned to Modular and um, just looking through this track list you know it's still like it's still really fun I love it it's got um, you know exclusive remixes and um, you know people like the presets and Ajax who did a show on Sunset Thursday Sunset part of um, uh, Bang Gang he did they did the Bang Gang show with, um, with Jamie Doom and Ajax sadly passed away a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, it's got uh, The Knife Machine, which uh, people probably won't remember, but is um, Pat from Los Valentinos and, um, and Jono, who was also in Los Valentinos and has gone on to form Jaguar Ma uh, more recently. It's an all-star uh, cast. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, some of those people are still in the same form, like um, the Bag Raiders and Presets and others, um, you know, have... have, have you know, shapeshifted, shapeshifted, or, or people like you know Red Riders. There's a remix of Red Riders on here. Sadly, you know, not a band anymore. But I guess we've got palms. Yeah, they're kind of shapeshifted mm. as well. You yeah, know, in some other form. So you are, well, you have been for nine years of your time, nine of your eleven years at FBI Radio, a director of music. And yeah. I guess what is a director of music for someone who's never heard of a music director before? So. I guess you put stuff on the radio in simplest um, explanation, but um, that that band we just played, Dappled Cities, were one of three that have had four albums of the week here at FBI. Um, it's a very select group. And how do you pick them? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you form an affinity for, for bands, and generally when I think about programming it's it's all about balance so we're trying to keep things as well balanced as we can so excuse me for us that might be overseas and Australian it might be sort of left of center and challenging and accessible Um, and it's just balancing all the different elements that go into making any playlist Um, the job itself really when it started out on day one was listen to all the music decide what to put on the radio and book interviews and look after the gig guides. It changed pretty dramatically pretty quickly. Um, the station, FBI is the sort of place that always bites off more than it can chew and then chews really, really hard. So we got into <laughs> you know all sorts of things like <clears throat> like putting on live gigs, um, eventually FBI social and, and doing um, you know a venue, um, 10th birthday party, um, art auctions and you know all the and different things. Have you been quite responsible for all of these campaigns and all of this kind of sprawling spider of FBI over Sydney shebang? Yes, I deserve all the kudos. No, um, no, there's <laughs> you like go, the man of the hour, <laughs> every, Dan Silver. Everything that um, that we've done has been, um, you know, so many people involved. Usually. Um, underwritten by our supporters, the the people that give us money just to survive, and um, all the legwork done by um, our, our volunteers, you know, people like you that do all the really hard yakka. Um, this is pretty easy. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're doing a good job. But um, but but some of these things were, were my initiatives. They're things that ideas that I had, things that I drove. And then there were things that, um, you know, initiatives that I really didn't have very much to do with, but I'm still really proud of having been part of the station. So things like the Still Life Art Auction, which we did 
did as part of the Save FBI campaign and made a lot of money for the station. All these amazing visual artists donated pieces, which we uh, um, then sold at an auction at um, uh, the MCA, Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, the Smack Awards is something I'm really proud of um, being involved in, but you know, it's certainly been driven by other people that aren't me. Um, and then there's like all sorts of um, campaigns that you know were me. Things like um, Sydney Sounds Like, where we did a bunch of different gigs across different venues, including Choose Your Own Adventure at the Factory, where we had four different stages and four different sounds and spaces going on, and you know Cuddle Puddle at the Oxford Art Factory across both their rooms, <laughs> which was all dance music. And um, and mid last year we did All Our Friends, which was a series of gigs, a Friday and Saturday night gig over two two weekends, so four gigs over two weeks, uh, where we got together with some of our favourite record labels. Um, people that uh, I would not be here without and who literally inspire me. Um, those labels are amazing. And so in that respect, do you reckon that Sydney's music scene is really cohesive and community-like? Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I hope FBI's been, inf- well, influential and um, can take some credit for almost being like a cosmic glue between these, um, you know, these different parts of the Sydney scene, but... Um, absolutely. You know, that I think part of our job was not only to try and help bring people together and encourage them, but to identify those communities that were forming, whatever sound they were, you know, whether it was noisy indie rock or, you know, gentle electronica or whatever it was, hip-hop and dance and um, indie pop, whatever, these, to identify the, the movements that were happening in Sydney. And, and I've said for a long time that FBI's role is to reflect... Sydney back at itself while leading it forward. So it's not just to, you know, if, if we were only reflecting Sydney back at itself, we'd still be listening to pub rock. Um, FBI sounds pretty different to that nowadays, and it's changed since it was an aspirant station. You know, there was a lot of eyebrows raised when we launched, and there was dance music on the grid. Like we had, you know, Megan Loder and I was a priority to get dance music on, uh, and it still is today, which is evidenced by FBI Click, you know, the digital dance dedicated station. Um, but People, I think, had expected that it would be Sydney indie rock only, and um, and, and we went in a pretty different direction. And how do you stop a station from necessarily sounding like, from sounding like the Dan Zilber show, for example? Um, well, I think there's a couple of ways. One, I never think that my opinion on music is correct necessarily. I'm just trying to sort of envisage a person in my head. Um, FBI needs to be personified in some way and that's the person I'm programming to. So I know that I was given the task on day one, 2003, um, you know, FBI is a station, a youth station. So we know that in my head I need to have an 18 to 25-year-old person boy or girl doesn't matter they need to be creative and adventurous they go to gigs um, they might go to clubs um, they also enjoy art and and so you start to build up a picture and then every time you listen to a song you think does that generic fbi person in my head is is it appropriate to program this music for them um and you need to, I think, sort of drill down into who that person is if you're going to pick one person because no one, like, you know, we've all got different taste in music. So to program for individuals, like if I was to program for all of my friends or all of the FBI volunteers, I mean, how would you even do that? You'd end up um, being way too broad. You'd make no one happy. So we start to refine it and filter it and you end up with a thing. And then the idea is that you can communicate that thing to everyone else who's picking music and that's, you know, all of our um, volunteers as well. Fantastic. And Dan Zilber is the man speaking. He's on my show today, Out of the Box, you're listening to. And he has been the general manager for the past couple of years, the music director before that, music coordinator when that wasn't a job. And now he's on his way out of FBI. So this is the last time you're going to hear him on the radio and he's brought in a bunch of tracks. We've got Yesaya here. Why? 
Yeah, so this one's a little bit different. I mean, obviously all of these songs have got something to do with FBI and Yay Say it was um, their debut albums and album of the week. But there was a probably, like, I've avoided conflict of interest for 11 years. Um, I, I'd i like to think that my integrity has never been brought into question. Um, but this is one that I thought was a little bit interesting and it was a, it was a, a bit of a conundrum for me. So Spunk Records, you know, I talked about um, all our friends that happened last year and that was you know rice is nice and pop frenzy and ivy league modular uh future classic astral people all these labels that we love that we play that we do a lot with um spunk started five years before fbi and i was a fan before fbi even started i'm still a massive fan of of spunk and, and aaron kono and everything he's done over the last 15 years of that label um I had an opportunity to do some A&R for him, basically find music, recommend it to him, help him sign it. Um, And I did it for a couple of years um, and sort of juggled that with, you know, programming music on a radio station, which was a bit tricky. And maybe he ended up getting less airplay than he would have otherwise because I was overly cautious. But um, there are a couple of bands that I helped him sign and recommended to him. Bat for Lashes was one. um, And Yaysayer was another one. So I just thought I'd um, bring this one out. It's uh, their, their debut single, Sunrise.
now at the Newtown Social Club. Cab Templey performs Eskimo Joe's A Song in a City. Papa vs. Pretty. Whitley. Baby Animals. Ella Hooper. Husky. And Palms. Plus Splendor sideshows from The Stripes. Circa Waves. And The Wild Feathers. Also on the calendar, Jen Cloa. Little Bastard. Harry Manx. Maybe She Will. Harmony. Bonja. Cold Cave. Marlon Williams with Melody Poole. Knapsack. And True Vibe Nation. Get tickets at NewtownSocialClub.com. Newtown Social Club, sponsors of FBI.
on FBR 94.5, PVT or Pivot. And that was brought in by my guest today, the departing general manager of FBI, Dan Zilber. And uh, tell me the backstories. Well, that one's actually it's pretty simple. Um, Pivot were one of the first bands or early on in FBI that I booked for an FBI fundraiser. Um, it was at the studio at the Opera House. Um, we had Pivot and Teenagers in Tokyo and uh, ELF, which was Darren from Girling's kind of um, hodgepodge house project and Uncle Ho uh, from Elephant Tracks also played and that was a really eclectic night at the studio and you know it was great it was really good fun Um, Pivot are also one of uh, those three bands that um, have had four albums released in the ten and a half years I've been at FBI or the the history of FBI and have had four albums of the week Um, we played Dappled Cities earlier they have had four albums with four albums of the week Um, the other one that I got to give a shout out to is Hermitude four albums four albums of the week yeah, they got lost somewhere in the in the arduous and torturous culling process. Oh, everyone, everyone got culled, unfortunately, except for you know the dozen or so songs we'll end up playing. But um, yeah, obviously, really significant bands to have yeah. four albums of the week um, on the station. Fantastic. And so you've been here since the beginning. And in the beginning, could you give us a little picture of what FBI looked like? Um, what, what was it? What was it sound like? What was it? What was its quarters like? I mean. It wasn't too dissimilar to what you see today. Um, there's a little bit of, um, you know, extra sound baffling on the um, on the walls. It's a little bit more developed than it was, but it's pretty damn similar. We're in the same building, you know. Um, it, it's much the same. It sounds kind of similar. I mean, sounds change, and I think we've been pretty good at predicting trends, particularly when it comes to sort of electronic and dance music that moves quite quickly. Um, and so that stuff shifts and waxes and wanes. But, you know, it's still a station that plays 50% Australian music, half of that from Sydney, a real interest in what's new and what's coming next, um, but also um, a sense of history um, mm-hmm. and, a, and a real commitment to Sydney. Um, we, we love this city, you know, um, not just the music, but the, um, the, the art and culture as well. And could you tell us about the week pre-launching the station? Yeah, so I was here for, I don't know, maybe three weeks before we launched. And um, the week pre-launch was pretty much working out how do you make a playlist? What does it look like? How do you do it? And who knows Excel well enough to help me actually make it happen? Um, uh, Tiani, our original uh, office manager, really banged together um, a spreadsheet that basically told people, okay, you've got two hours of music. Here's a dozen tracks that we think you should play and the rest you can pick yourself. Um, And that's still sort of how it works um, today. Um, I was painting walls, painting doors, putting them on hinges. Um, Man of many skills. uh, Well, no, I (laughs) I certainly wouldn't call myself skilled when it comes to those things. But it's FBI. You need to, you just got to roll up your sleeves and do it. Um, We had volunteers everywhere building the place, Um, you know, professional tradesmen and tradeswomen putting their time in. And we were building the music library as well. It was 100% CDs. We had to put, you know, catalogue numbers on the side and um, put them on shelves. And um, we had a little working bee of, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen volunteers just processing CDs. And I went in there earlier today and um, I realised, you know, there was sort of one bookshelf, essentially, one one shelf of CDs. Um, So it's about nine shelves And that was the music that we had on FBI before we launched in 2003 from the Aspirant days. And what we've built over the 10 years since, I mean, the library is basically heaving. It's almost at a capacity. And you can see the very point in time where I came in and the the stickers on the sides of the CDs changed from like handwritten numbers to these little printed dynamo yeah. labels. Sometimes when you get requests from from all the fans who want to go back to the days when, you know, an early album by the next, you go in there and you're looking at the numbers and you can't see them. They're all rubbed off. It's, it's you know, it's charming. They're rubbed off or they go missing. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. happens. You know, they get scratched and mm-hmm. you lose them and they're gone from the library. 
agree. You know, it's something that we've battled with for years. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of part of the charm of FBI. Very charming. And do you think that FBI would be able to launch and exist now in this day and age if it hadn't existed until now? I would hope so. I mean, there's people said in 2003 that, you know, there's not enough Australian music to sustain a 50% quota. It'll never work. People won't listen. Um, and they obviously mm, were build mistaken. The and, and they will come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got more options than we could ever have in terms of music, in terms of media, particularly with online. But I think there's something about there's still that connection with radio broadly and there's still something really special about what FBI does in terms of um, its commitment to the city and um, and offering music and content that you wouldn't get anywhere else necessarily. Yeah. And um, also taking taking that music to the world. I mean, we've got the um, Northern Lights competition happening now. I mean, you, you know a lot more about it than I do. And you went to Iceland with the first, I think it was the first batch of Yeah, artists. the first two. Yeah, yeah so we did in 2011, 2012. Mm. It's back for uh, 2013. We had a break because of the FBI's 10th birthday party. Um, and uh, it's back for 2014. And what an amazing opportunity. Um, it's going national this year. So anyone in Australia can enter. We're going to, with the 2011, 2012, we took two solo artists per year. This year, we're going to take one solo artist and one band. Um yeah, 2011 was um, Rainbow Chan and Oliver Tank. Um, you know, it was a great list of artists. I mean, Flume was in that batch as well. You know, we've been playing Flume since he was a demo. That's amazing. He played at um, FBI Social um, as at the sort of live, um, uh, what do you call it, like a, an exhibition of um, of these finalists and yeah. he was one of them. And, you know, we we... We had like a really small room, like we probably had 30 people watching these um, emerging acts and one of them was Flume and Rainbow Chan and Oliver Tank and you know, that's why I say to people, if you're interested in emerging music, FBI Social is a really good place to go. You will see mm -hmm. the next big thing, like guaranteed. Definitely. And that's where it all starts. I mean, and then all of a sudden, if you're Rainbow Chan, you're in Iceland. And I, I was there watching her and there were people who were just from Seattle that were like, oh, she's amazing. I'm totally going to look her up. What's her name? <laughs> and that's how you spread, I guess. Yeah, I mean, watching those guys, I mean, Oliver Tank and Rainbow Chan, but also Lanterns um, and Moon Holiday the following year, yeah. watching them, you know, get on stage and play three or four gigs in Reykjavik, be part of the Iceland Airways Festival, collaborate with Icelandic artists. We, we got in the studio. We, we made the CP, which you can play a song from. Um, you know, it was just an amazing thing to be along for the ride i mean all i had to do was sort of jump on and and help you know make it happen but um reykjavik's an amazing place um as you know and um it's an amazing festival as well Five thousand people it's quite small relative yeah. to what we do here in sydney and the great thing about iceland airwaves as well is that it's where a lot of you know for example ausker who's broken through hugely in australia with when he made the english version of his old album and you know he was there at the last airwaves basically not very well known and now he's enormous and that's kind of where it germinates from. Yeah, and I mean, Iceland always has, um, you know, a worldwide reputation but the thing that I love that I always think about is they have 5,000 people that go to their festival. It's known worldwide and, you know, FBI, we turned up there and I would blow Icelandic people's minds when I would talk about FBI and they'd say, oh, so how many people listen to FBI? And I'd say, oh, about 225 to 250,000 in a week and they're like, uh, that's more people than we have in Reykjavik, you know? Um, <laughs> And so I think, again, it comes back to me, for, to FBI sort of really punching above its weight. You know, yeah, for feel... context, Iceland has uh, 320,000 inhabitants. Yeah, and they've got a really strong music scene. They're really passionate yeah, about 320, it. 320,000 musicians. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, everyone plays in four bands. but um, everyone sings. But yeah, this was, this was the product of, um, you know, of um, FBI punching above its weight and Fantastic. heading over to Iceland. So shall we take Golden featuring Peter Ben? Uh, let's take a listen to, yeah. Or, or to love again. Which, Listen which to one? To Love Again with um, Just Another Snake Cult. The original version? Yeah. All right. 
Here we go. On FBR 94.5, this is To Love Again by Oliver Tank. And Rainbow Chan. And Rainbow Chan. about Royal Headache is they never really give you that much time to cue the next track. <laughs> One minute 30 of glory. Now, why do you want to play Royal Headache on the show today? Um, I, I think 
I've got some sort of association with a lot of the bands that we played today and a lot of the bands that we've played over 10 years, you know, I know the guys or I know the girls, I know the label, I, you know, I've got a personal affinity, but Royal Headache, I don't know them, never met them. They were purely, it was music that was sent in, it's on um, RIP Society, another label, Sydney label that we, we support a lot and we really like, um, but that was just immediate. The first time I heard Royal Headache, I was like, ah, oh, this is a smash hit, and then the fact that it's from Sydney, it's local, um, and it resonated so intensely with the broadcasters and the volunteers here, um, and it was one of the rare times where I sort of noticed that, where everyone was on board, and, um, and rightly so, I mean, what an amazing sound. Um, yeah, fantastic. Shogun's an, ama- an amazing vocalist, and they're also one of those bands that could implode at any second. I don't know if we'll ever hear from them again. Who knows? Um, but uh, it was really nice to see Shogun um, solo at the uh, Tin Pan Alley, Good God Tin Pan Alley show for Vivid, um, and he was on air here, <clears throat> excuse me, in advance talking about it and saying how he writes music in all different styles. So hopefully we will hear plenty more from him because he's hugely talented and a real asset to Sydney. Now we've we've been go- going for the show, you know, for like. Twi- almost twice as long as usual, but I do Sorry. still want to ask you. <laughs> oh no, it's it's my pleasure indeed. Um, about when you were presenting on FBI, is there a show that stands out in your memory as being particularly an exhausting show or a huge show? The, the, I mean, look, every week when I did Friday lunch, I'd get nervous. Every week, um, supporter drive shows were always really nerve wracking because you know you do a lot more talking, and also you know you're asking for money. It's um. It's, it's daunting, um, particularly when it comes to radio. People are used to not paying for radio, but you pay in other ways. If you listen to commercial radio, you know, you listen to ads about cat food and adult diapers and, you know, you listen to the same song again and again. But um, Those are minutes you're never going to get back. Absolutely. And uh, But the one the one show I do I do have a memory of, and I think it was about 2005, was um, Backyard Bliss, and it was the way that we were wrapping up um, a supporter drive. And supporter drive shows are tiring enough as it is. This one was, I think, like a three or four hour show, certainly three hours. And I was in Studio Two, where we sit at the moment, and in Studio One, for the first and only time that I can remember, we had live bands playing live to air. So they weren't pre-recorded or anything. They were fully plugged in and electrified. It wasn't acoustic, straight to mic. It wasn't simple. And it was myself and Bruno Breivik from Peabody hosting the show. Um, and uh, we would throw back and forth to Studio One, and in between we'd um, ask people to sign up as supporters and... I almost died. It was unbelievably <laughs> difficult. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm the first to say I'm not the most skilled when it comes to radio, but we got through it and um, it was a lot of fun. We had, you know, great bands live to air um, and uh, those bands, you know. And I you like, survived. Yeah, yeah, here I am. <laughs> and when you're not as part of FBI, you're you're in a loving relationship and you've got a kid. And I'd love to ask a little bit more about your wife because she's such a huge part of your life. You, and you say that like she hasn't been in touch with you to say, you better big me up. Um, <laughs> she, uh, I'm under strict, strict incredibly instructions. Incredibly attractive. And, yeah, go on. <laughs> um, yeah, look, my... my um, my my best friend and my biggest supporter, um, Esty, my wife, um, we got married, um, I'm going to say it's about four years ago and hope that she doesn't call me on it. And um, yeah, we got married in sort of the only way that we could. Our wedding was very us. Um, we got married at the Spiegel tent uh, when it was the tail end of Sydney Festival. Um, which in and of itself was very us and we love the place and, um, you know, we always enjoy Sydney Festival. But um, it was also the place where we kind of had our first date. Um, It was a um, New Year's Eve where I was on a boat with some friends for New Year's Eve doing this very Sydney um, thing and um, got really seasick, missed the entire night, jumped off the boat, went to one of my best friend's place um, where Esty happened to be living and um, she kind of looked after me, made sure I was okay, gave me a spare bed and um, the next morning we went to... Uh, Bondi Beach and um, I think I, I you know I, I definitely took a 
um, by surprise, but I realized I had, you know, one of the best people I'd ever known that I was hanging out with. And she was one of my best friend's little sisters as well. So it was a bit of a no-no, but we're hanging out and I said, we we should go out. And she said, no way, you're like never going to happen. You're crazy. I was like, no, no, I think it will. I think it will happen. I think it'll happen soon, actually. And she's like, no, it's not happening. Just forget about it. I was like, I give you a week. Anyway, eight days later, um, we were on a date and it was Andrew Bird at um, the Spiegel Tent at Sydney Festival. And um, that was eventually where we got married. And, you know, being event producers, she works for Sounds Australia, which is this amazing organisation that follows um, Australian bands around the world, promoting them, helping them network, putting on the Aussie barbecue. And they do such good work all over the world. Um, But... The next song is um, from that day. Um, we were so lucky. We, we put together a compilation of some of our favourite songs, just songs that we loved, songs that we wanted to share with people. Um, and the next three songs were all on that compilation. Um, the first one is by Sally Seltman. It's her song, Harmony to My Heartbeat. And more than just having Sally on the compilation, we were lucky enough to have her play live as Esty walked down the aisle. Her manager, Mel Lake, helped make it happen. Sally was so generous. Mel was a million months pregnant. And um, it was the hottest day I've ever experienced in Sydney, 41 degrees on our wedding day um yeah and uh the my beautiful wife Esty walking down the aisle to sally seltman playing her live and fb 94.5 we've got sally seltman on your airwaves just loading now <laughs> there we go it's alive dreams they come and go this is one that i've had forever i know been crossing my fingers and always hoping for it to come true For the train, I can see a face in the distance again. Got a little dream that's become a friend and a reality.
This is exactly where I wanna be. You're the harmony to my heartbeat, baby. Out of the box on FBI. FBI 94.5. We've got Dan Zilber in the studio for the last time on FBI. 
because he is leaving. He's departing from the station as general manager. The days are coming to an end. <laughs> and we've got just a couple of songs left, but we're also in our love song dedications phase of the show. So, um, Esty, tell yeah. us a bit more about... Well, the, yeah, the, those last two songs were, were very, you know, very sort of personal to us. Sally Seltman, as I mentioned, played Esty down the aisle. She um, turned up with her keyboard and played at the Spiegel tent where we got married on that sweltering hot summer's day. Um, and then that one just then, Mountain Goats, Sax Roma Number 1, uh, which was originally a song that I sent to Esty um, about three weeks after we got together, um, or four weeks maybe, um, that fate, after that fateful New Year's Day and the Andrew Bird show at the Spiegel tent. Um, she moved to New York. It was an opportunity that she had. She'd already been planning it and off she went and she was supposed to be gone for a year. Who knows? Um, and she was working as a book buyer, um, sort of, you know, deciding what people would read over in New York. And, um, after a few weeks, I, you know, there was no way that was going to work for me. So I sent her this song, um, that song mountain goats. And, um, you know, it's all about like, I'm coming home to you with my own blood in my hands. And, you know, so basically, you know, nothing will keep us apart kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it's probably a little bit manipulative on my part. Um, I then <laughs> went over to New York and, um, basically talked her into coming home and she cut a trip well and truly short. Um, that song though sort of continues with us because as I mentioned, Esty does quite a bit of traveling, um, supporting Australian bands around the world. And it's the song that um, you know, I certainly listen to before she comes home when I'm going to pick her up from the airport. And more recently over the last year, I've started playing it to our little boy Jonah um, when we head to the airport to pick mum up, you know. So what kind of music are you indoctrinating Jonah in? Um, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to educate him with good taste and we're, we're playing him a whole, all sorts of good stuff. Um, LCD Sound System... Um, uh, what's the song? Is it where where are my friends? All my friends. Um, the the tinkling piano introduction to that um, song really gets him. And um, uh, unfortunately, he he got really into that Robin Thicke song. Um, that, oh dear. Uh, yeah. Um, blurred lines. Blurred lines. That's the one. Um, I think it was just the percussion and the like squeaks and the woos. And um, he also, you know, he's he's partial to nursery rhymes. But um, yeah, we're, we're definitely giving him a pretty broad palette to um to check out. And we play him lots and lots of music. And he's just starting to dance, which is, which is just about the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Fantastic. And we've got one last love song dedication song before we play the last last song. And yeah. What is it? Well, this one's a short one. And um, it's definitely, look, it's on that wedding compilation I talked about that Esty and I put together. Um, but it's also, this artist is the only artist that I've ever asked for an, um, for a, an autograph. Um, almost 11 years at FBI, I've never asked for a photo with an artist. I've never posted one to social media. I've never really had anything signed, no mementos. You know, I'm not sort of nostalgic like that. I'm also not a groupie. For me, it was always about, you know, getting the best results for the listener and for FBI. And, um, you know, I, I met lots of artists when I was sort of 17 to 20, and that was when that was fun. Um, but this next guy is Daniel Johnson, and it kind of brings me full circle in a way. I started this show talking about Ben Lee and his influence, and Daniel Johnson is another artist that he introduced me to musically. Um, Daniel came into the station on a tour of um, Australia back in 2010, and I ran across to the uh, $2 store across from FBI, bought a little canvas, grabbed a Sharpie. He's also a, he's a great visual artist as well, um, for those that don't know, Daniel Johnson, um, and uh, a really amazing uh, singer-songwriter. Um, I grabbed the canvas. I asked him if he wouldn't mind drawing something for me. He did. Um, it's framed and on my wall um, at home now. And, uh, yeah, it's, this is still a song that I think is absolutely beautiful from a, a really unusual singer-songwriter. <laughs> find you in the end 
to with your friend Don't be sad, I know you will But don't give up until True love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch Only if you're looking can it find you This true love is searching too recognize you unless you step out into the light, the light. Don't be sad, I know you will. But don't give up until true love will find you in the end. Dan Zilber's last moments on the air on FBI 94.5. And why did you pick that song? Um, look, it, it, Daniel Johnson's an artist that I've always loved. Um, he, he doesn't come from the same sort of base as most artists. He's struggled with mental illness his whole life. Um, some of his songs, some of his albums, he's recorded down the phone from um, mental hospitals. Um, but he's amazing. He, he gives real clarity and real insight into the human condition, into life, and it's one of the things that first got me in to singer-songwriters, into people like Daniel Johnson um, or Bob Dylan or Tom Waits or, you know, any of them. Um, he's also a really great visual artist. I've always loved his, um, his kind of um, unusual style when it comes to, um, to his visual art, and I've now got one at home on my wall. It's one of the things I'm most proud of and one of um, my, I guess, most prized possessions out of my time at FBI. Um, and it was also on that wedding compilation um, that SD and I put together. Fantastic. And I was wondering, are you going to kind of look forward at all to not having to listen to music as a job a lot of the time? Um, in some way. I mean, look, I'll miss this job. I'll miss it every day. Um, I'll, I'll miss the place and, and what, we, what we do here. Um, but over the last well, a year and a half when, with having the, since I became general manager of music, I've been able to take my foot off the pedal a little bit. And instead of listening to sort of three, four, five hundred songs in a week, it might be a hundred, hundred and fifty. So I've been able to focus a little bit more on the stuff I'm interested in. And yeah, I think there will be a little bit of um, a relief in that. But, you know, music is not just my hobby and my passion. It's an obsession. And, um, and, and I think that's how you have a career in music when you feel like you can't do anything else. And that's certainly the way I feel about it. So uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to be, um, you know, sitting in a quiet room anytime soon. <laughs> Good to know. Well, I, I guess we can't thank you enough for what you've done for the station. We can't throw enough confetti or direction or like give mm -hmm. you enough cake for it. And we've, we've tried. <laughs> we have tried. <laughs> it's like the third time I've said goodbye. The, my final Friday lunch show, the launch of FBI Click, and now out of the box I feel like I'm getting pretty indulgent and it's not even a one hour out of the box we're, we're heading towards two hours so Indeed. thanks as always to everyone from FBI and I guess it's then truly time to get out of here so you've got one last song and is it a good one 
Um, well, I think it's a good one. It's one that, I, look, I love this song. I love this album, Home Songs by Adem. Uh, he is one of the original band members of Fridge, which was um, on the Domino record label that's always been really influential. Um, Fridge also um, had Fortet as one of its members. Um, and this song, as much as I love it, I, it came out right at the beginning of FBI. In fact, I think it was one of the last things I bought when I still lived in London. I think it was released in the UK and then re-released in Australia. And it was almost like bridged that gap. So I got it in London and then a year later it came out in Australia and I got it as an available song to play on FBI and, and we did. Um, but it's not just the song, it's kind of the sentiment of it as well. Um, the song's called These Are Your Friends um, and I, I'll, I'll just give you one of the lyrics from it. It's, um, you've thrown yourself into the flames because you're covered in coal. These are your friends, they give out a nice warm glow. And the song's really about um, cutting ties with your friends, even though they're, they're the people that you need and you love and, and that make you better. Um, but it's also about coming back to those people because they're the people that you need and you love and they make you better um, because these are your friends. And that's how I think about everyone at FBI. Thank you so much, Dan Zilber, for coming on the show today. Thanks, Ash.
the final track from a gloriously extended edition of Out of the Box here on FBI Radio with our musical father, Dan Zilver, outgoing general manager of music. It's been an absolute pleasure having you as our guest. Um, and thanks to Ash Bertabez for taking us through the last nearly two hours of amazing radio. If there's anyone that I don't mind taking up a good 50 minutes of my show, it's Dan Zilver. You can have it all. Uh, and thanks to everyone who has been texting in on 0409 945 945 and showing support for the guy has basically been taking care of your ears through FBI for the last 11 years. Uh, if you want to um, text in or tweet at FBI Radio with more messages, please do. We love you, Dan. Um, but you're now tuned in to me, Beth Dalglish, here with you for some lunchtime music. Out of the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Out of the box. Meet people through their music. With Ash Bertabez on FBI.